Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and a happy 4th of July to all of the Affirminators out there. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post a- what up? Oh, and by the way, this is Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime oh. Comedy Podcast. Didn't mention that, but uh, you know, I I'm yeah. s- uh, currently sipping on some cider, so they know I'm, en- I'm enjoying myself. You know, you like at this point, you're not accidentally clicking on this. You yeah. saw the title. You know what it is, Roxanne. Yeah, Michelle. I don't know. I'm just naming names. Oh, okay. I feel like those are names of people that might be like, I just came to check this out. I don't really know what the vibe is. It's Affirmative Murder. We're the Ego Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. Yep. We're here. Yeah. I slammed my cider down. It's empty. Yeah. I, I slammed it back. That's how I missed the uh, introduction at the beginning. Mm. Anyway, Fran, what's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. The weather is nice. It's beautiful. Um, It is. Unlike what's going on in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, they are getting slammed. 115 degrees up in Oregon and everything's crazy. That is so be blessed. Be praised. Praise. Praise that him. is crazy. Uh, other than that, uh, it's 4th of July, I guess. Happy 4th of July, happy, I guess. Yeah. Um, Independence Day. Happy. 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 Everybody Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, are you doing any fireworks or workouts? I'm firing the grill up. I'm firing the grill oh, up. Is? I'm firing okay. the grill. I'm firing the grill up and just, you know, cook some, some burgers and dogs and you know, yeah. it's just what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Some baked beans, maybe, I don't know. Mm. Um, but other than that, no, I don't mess around with fireworks, bro. I'm a coward, bro. I don't you know, uh, uh Jason Pierre Paul, mm-hmm. I think that's his name. Yeah. The football player. Football player, yeah. He yeah, super Ross, super old champion. Yeah. Out there messing around with some fireworks, blew three of his fingers off. Yeah, now, he'll still sack you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's got this kind of crazy cast on where it's just like his hand is a ball. Yeah, like he wraps his whole hand in a ball. Yeah, and bang, he just hits you in the, face, you in the face with that. Yeah, he got like what three fingers? He got like three fingers. It looks crazy. Yeah, and that's from fireworks, man. Yeah. Speaking of fireworks, man, up in uh up in L.A. Mm-hmm. in South L.A., a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood, they found a dude that was doing some black market fireworks. They came, took all the fireworks, you know, confiscated them, put them in a bomb truck okay and i guess that the plan was to take the truck out somewhere yeah but then they found he had some like heavy duty shit oh where they were like yeah he was they were and and some brilliant detective or whatever swat team member Mm -hmm. was like oh no we gotta blow these up right now and lit them up and and we'll put them in the truck and blew them up in the truck the truck is supposed to be designed to like contain the the uh the blast mm. like they detonate them inside the truck why and would then, they do that 
Oh, you you got me, man. I have no idea. But anyway, surprise, surprise, on a city block, a yeah. narrow city block of a neighborhood in South Los Angeles, they put these things that they were like, oh, these are extra super hard, super duper califragilistic fireworks. <laughs> yeah. Put all of those in. They found like 10 of them. Yeah. Put all of those inside the bomb truck and detonate them before we take all the rest of the fireworks out to the safe place that we planned. I don't know the logic in that, but... Whatever. Wait, it's called a bomb truck. It's a. I don't know if that's the. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if that's the. <laughs> but that's what. It, I'm sure but that's what like it's a, used for, right? That's what it's used but for. But wouldn't it? Wouldn't that supposed to be? It protects the people that are inside from an explosion from outside. No reverse. It's supposed to protect the people from the, on the outside from the explosion that's happening on the inside of the truck. Okay. So they blow it up in the truck oh, and it they, like contains. Oh, so it. it's not. It's not for like some type of military where you use it to like go into like. War or something like that. No, no. You use oh. it to like take the, like if somebody so, goes, I'm going to blow up this bank and you go to the bank and there's actually a bomb in there. And you put it in You the put truck. the bomb in the truck and then if it blows up, it contains it. If you're going to do that, take the truck out away from pedestrians. Yeah. Right? And like the desert or something. Yeah, exactly. And I think that again, I think that that was the plan. But then they like, while going through this guy's house, they were like, oh shit, he's got nuke fireworks. Like they found some fireworks that were crazy. So, so in their mind, they were like, we got to blow these up nah. here in this neighborhood. Right. And surprise, surprise, they put the, these extra crazy fireworks in the thing, blew the whole truck up. The blew, whole truck blew the up? The whole truck blew up. Other cars blew up. It blew the windows out of businesses and homes. Shit. Like, they devastated this neighborhood. And the argument that's happening on social media right now is like, they would never do that in Beverly Hills. They would never do that in some wealthy white neighborhood where they go, we gotta get I don't know, let's here. just blow yeah. them up right now here on Rodeo Drive. Like, they, yeah. they would just never do that. And uh, 17 people were injured. 11 of them were police. You know, so I'm not to say that that's better, but I'm just saying, like, it's not 17 community people. But six or so of them were just pedestrians of the neighborhood. Yeah. The other 11 or so were people that were there to blow the shit up. That's crazy. That's still crazy. Nobody should get hurt. You should have taken the truck away from, from a neighborhood. They need to throw them trucks away. Just throw all the now. Trucks see, out. I don't disagree. I don't. I don't think that the trucks are like superfluous and or don't have a point. Like, if 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 you call in a bomb threat and I show up somewhere and I see a suitcase was got wires and shit in it, yeah, you want to put that that suitcase somewhere and drive it away. I mean, now don't just like park the truck and then put the suitcase in there and then leave it next to the Arby's. But my point is, the trucks don't work. I'm not talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so that that <laughs> what, what's happening is the the like the mayor or the chief of police came out and was like. We don't know what happened. Like the bombs are, they're supposed to take this much uh, explosives. Yeah. And the explosives were under that. Like the explosives that we put in there were under the threshold. Yeah. But it blew up the whole truck for That's some my reason. Point. They we don't really know why. Away. Yeah. So, or, or at least go back and look into the, 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 the uh, schematics and see if there's some kind of faulty wiring. And those are fireworks. They're not bombs. Yeah. That's not even a bomb. <laughs> this is like a, this is like a, a screaming Mimi. Yes. Like it's like some kind of crazy, something that a kid was going to light off. And a military, whatever truck couldn't a handle A military that. great truck. I bet it cost like a million dollars and it blew up from fireworks. 10 fireworks. Mm. I saw this on Twitter and I thought it was, cause it was LA. I thought it was like a scene from a movie mm. so i didn't really read the the headline or yeah. anything i was like oh they must have been filming batman or something and they're just showing like a, a stunt went wrong yeah and then i read into this the story and i was like wait what so they found a dude selling black market fireworks they went to confiscate the fireworks then they found some crazy fireworks and were like no 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 i know we were planning on taking these out to you know encino mm -hmm. or something in like in a field and blowing them up but these ones that we found are so crazy we're going to blow them up right here. We can't afford to like move they can't with these. Wait. We can't this it's unsafe. This but is they my They don't logic. explode until you light them up. 
I don't know. Now again, they were in now, the house. They were in the house undisturbed. Right. So, that's what I mean. you know, so yeah. So I yes, that's a good point you make. But I, I'm trying to follow their logic, and I I guess in their mind they're like, we don't want our driver driving with these unsafe fireworks in the truck. So we're instead of taking them somewhere where we they're away from people in in empty field or something. Yeah. We're gonna use the truck because we know it can handle this. Okay. We're gonna blow these up right here so that our driver isn't unsafe dry, transporting the dangerous fireworks. But there's supposed to, I'm sure there's a security door on that truck. Where, oh, the like, truck, yeah. It, all it that like, should be yeah. concealed mm-hmm. from the whoever's, if somebody's in the front of the truck. Yeah. I would assume. That's a good point as well. And also, I think that the I would trucks think. trucks are just trash, period. Yeah, yeah, because I think that, I would think that in the scenario even of them being like, I don't want us to transport, I don't want them to transport the dangerous fireworks, they didn't think the truck was going to blow up. What if because they, they still detonated them. Thinking that the truck yeah. would be able to handle the explosion, so in no matter what the scenario is, whether they were didn't want them to, the driver to be unsafe, they didn't think the truck would blow up because they detonated the truck. What if they thought? What if it was a hot day outside and it was like, hey, the back of the truck gets really hot to a certain temperature mm-hmm. where the fibers may ignite to, on their own? That could be it. That could be it too. That's, that doesn't happen. But That's either sure. way, I just kind of cracked it for myself where it doesn't make sense either way because. They detonated it right there. Yeah. So either way, they thought the truck was strong enough to not blow up. Oh yeah, but the truck blew up into a million pieces. It did. Yeah, it, it, like, it didn't oh. like the truck exploded. It wasn't That's like good. oh, it rocked and it blew up. And there was shrapnel and cars flipped over Shit. and windows of businesses blew out. It was a devastating explosion. Who told? I wonder who told on the guy who was selling them. Somebody, a hater. Why would they arrest him? What was he's going to do? You're not allowed to sell fireworks. I don't know what kind of license these fucking stands that pop up in grocery store parking lots have. Oh, them shit's trash. But apparently, yeah, you use sparklers. No, but if you ask the right question, I bet they pull some shit from underneath the the desk. I doubt it. Where it's like, hey, man, listen, I'm trying to have a real good time. They're like, oh, okay. No. How about this? (laughs) Boom. This is a Black Eyed Susan. It's like some kind of crazy (laughs) thing. From what I know, the people that used to go and get the good ones, they got to go across the lines, man. Oh shit! Sure. North Carolina, North Carolina, something come back, like bring York, it back up. York, Pennsylvania, bring it back up. Last year we did, we did one at uh, Steph's house, at Steph's uh, family's house, and I don't know. He, I guess he had some of the bullshit ones, but one of them like shoot up, but one of them shot the other way and went over our head. Man, close call. That's why I don't mess with fireworks, man. To bring it all back full circle before we move crazy. on, because it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all fun and games until some shit goes wrong. Where you're yeah. like, oh yeah, this probably is like ten seconds. And then you light that shit and it goes down real quick and it's still in your hand. You just got to run. Run and get low, Well, man. tell that to Jason Pierre-Paul. He had it in his hand. He's playing with him. Yeah. Man, he blew his fingers blew off. His fingers Can off. you imagine your fingers just like exploding off of your hand? Yeah. You can? No, I mean, oh, like, okay. I mean, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I, like, I was like, what are you kind of sick mind do you have, you sicko? Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, man. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah. Be safe out there. Obviously, when you're listening to this, it's already happened. So I hope nobody lost any fingers, man. Uh, moving on to some other news, man. We touched on it uh, a second, like right into things about how nice the weather is here, but it's not happening like that in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. There have actually been some casualties and stuff. Probably, I don't know, I haven't looked into it, but probably like in the homeless sector mm-hmm. because you got to deal with this fucking 115 degree heat. Like in Vegas, I, I, li- I lived in Vegas for a time. I go to Vegas very often, going to Vegas uh, uh, in uh, next April yep. for CrimeCon, mm-hmm. uh, 10% off of your ticket if you use affirmative at checkout. Anyway, um, it's humid mm-hmm. there in Oregon, but it's not in Vegas. So I can do 115, 120 because it's dry. It's like being in an oven. Like you can, you can handle Vegas desert heat more than- You can do 120. 
It's been 120 for like I mean I wouldn't go out and play basketball, oh. but like it's not unusual for it to. It's not crazy that it's 118 degrees and in it, Vegas, and that's not like that's not alert. Like, yeah, no, I mean it's always an alert in Vegas in the summertime, but you just deal because it's it's more manageable heat. Like again, you shouldn't be outside playing basketball if it's 115 degrees. Period. I don't care if it's humid or not. Yeah, but in Vegas, it's like I'm still we're still gonna go out and do stuff. People have still go to work. Like the day isn't canceled because it's 115 degrees in Vegas. In Oregon, yeah. 115 degrees plus humidity, probably it's probably that little what's it feels like that index, which is I don't even know who who's the decider of that, <laughs> but the feels like when it's 115 degrees on book or 100, I don't know if we got it got to 115, but like 108, probably feels like 120, and that's great. And then the humid is sweltering, you like you can't breathe because that that humidity is in it's your. It's gonna lungs. hit 104 degrees at two o'clock at five o'clock in Vegas. Yeah, that's that's normal. That's insane. That's a summertime normal that's day. Wow. But I'm telling you, bro, when we when we go, April won't be as crazy as like a June or July. But a uh, hundred degree day, you'll be like, oh, this is fine, because it's just the, it's just the air is hot. Mm. It's not, you know, when it, humidity. humidity, the sun is on your it. neck and like you you're sweating and you feel like the air is thick. It's yeah. not like that. But anyway, my point is, record temperatures in the Pacific Northwest. The ocean in Mexico is literally on fire because there was an oil spill. And so this brings me back to a, a theory that I've been just kind of throwing around jokingly, but I'm fucking serious, man. Elon Musk is building arcs that are going to take the wealthy to Mars or the moon. Man. That's, I have no proof of that. But if you think that that, I don't know if you saw that video, but I don't, there's a video of like the ocean being on fire. Mm. That is absolutely terrifying. It looks like a scene from a movie. It looks like a Godzilla movie. And if you think that lobbyists and rich people and government officials are looking at that video and doing anything other than being like, oh, we need to get the fuck out of here. And I have $40 million set aside to buy my ticket to get on Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos' uh, sky boat. That's going to take boat. us to take us to the moon bases. Yeah. And I don't mean to sound like Alex Jones or some kind of crazy to person. To do what, though? What's so, there? Yeah, not the earth exploding and burning and the temperatures rising and the sea levels going up and the oceans on fire. Not that. Mm. They can build some kind of like climate controlled fake world. You know what's weird? Why? I'm sorry, getting off a little track here. But why? Oh, we're when, way off track. Man. Yeah, we're talking yeah, about space yeah, travel. Yeah, but why when, you know, they show images of like when people, when they go into the different planets and stuff, uh -huh. why does it look like they're walking on the outside of the, the planet? Um, you gotta, 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 so, 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 you see, so, all right, so you, you see Earth, right? <laughs> uh huh. But you can't walk on just the outside of the, oh, like you see the you got, ring and it yeah. looks like you're like on top on of On top Earth. of it. Why yeah. does it look like that? I, I don't know what footage you're looking at, man. So I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen that footage where it looks like a guy walking, <laughs> walking around the it. circle <laughs> of the planet. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen that footage. I haven't seen that footage, man. I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer that because I haven't seen that footage. That does sound crazy though. Like right. that would make me think it's probably been filmed in a, uh, a studio or something. Yeah, and it's fake. If I saw that, but I just haven't seen mm. that footage. I mean, I've seen it in like cartoons and stuff. I don't. Maybe I don't that's, maybe that's what I'm referring to. A cat dog scene or something. That sounds Why are you like they walking. Yeah, on the are they walking? Like, you can see the full circle of the yeah. planet, and you can see them on top of it walking planet around. Flag the, and shit. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that was. That, yeah, maybe that, that's that, what I'm talking. Yeah, about. that sounds crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, man. Uh, this planet is uh, facing record. Uh, cat uh, uh, catastrophes and I think that the wealthy people are like man what's the plan yeah how do we leave these poor people here damn and let them deal with it I think that that's a reality that we have to face at some point that you know because already right now Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are like in this race to space mm. they're both trying to build these um 
ships to take people on casual space travel. Not like also let me just make it clear. I'm not a I'm not a space expert, but like if they were trying to go to Mars, the people that are on this hypothetical situation that I'm talking about would never get there. It would be like the descendants of their kids, 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 thousands of you. They would have to have a oh, ship that oh, they would so, never make yeah, it there yeah. in one lifetime. Yeah. It would take like fifty thousand lifetimes. And they trying to do that's that's so really basically that's they crazy. would they, they basically my hype my my hypothesis is they're building a ship that can house fifty thousand people for a thousand years. So you're talking about food, water, entertainment, a bar. You know, it's gonna be people working on there to make these people almost like Wally. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen Wally, but, but that basically is what I feel like we're at the Wally tipping point. That's crazy Where, for you to think yeah. about something like that. Away, like he, they won't even be around. No, that's wild. But they're that's like, crazy. but but we're gonna make sure that our descendants live on and. Our wealth benefits them on whatever planet we start next. That's crazy. That's capitalism. That's different. Yeah. That's but that's where bro, we we live on a planet right now. And again, I'm not trying to go crazy, but like have you have you ever seen The Matrix? The movie? Yeah. Yeah. So The Matrix is not that far fetched of an idea, right? Mm -hmm. Basically what happens is uh humans advance to a point to where machines take over the planet. Like we build the things that sow the seeds of our destruction, right? Mm -hmm. So then they Maybe even, like, this has never been explained. I never read, like, the Matrix fan fiction or anything like that. But I would assume at some point we willingly were like, you know what, man? Life's kind of boring. Maybe the planet's dying or whatever kind of real things are happening. Let's plug into the, the Matrix. And then life's great and you can eat chocolate sundaes and drive a Lamborghini and all that kind of stuff. And then we end up trapped in that world. But then when you, so the people in the Matrix in the movie are trying to escape from the Matrix. Yeah. To come into a world that is like the planet's decimated, it looks like hell. Like it doesn't look like some place where humans can live, but it's the real world. And I think that from the things I see around us, people building these robot dogs, people talking about disconnecting from your human body and going into artificial intelligence, I feel like we might be on the Matrix timeline. I don't get caught up in that, man. I won't be here. <laughs> but like, you might be. I might be. I mean, not to the point of the, of the Matrix, obviously, but like I think that we're on that timeline. That's how it seems to I me. Know, I man. feel like people are about to, the rich people are going to start to slowly, you're going to hear about like, yeah, these people are going on a little trip to the moon real Unless quick. I become rich. That's you're not going to be that kind of Yeah, we're we, not going to be that, that kind of rich. Man. I don't know. I'm talking about hundreds of millions of dollars rich. Speaking to existence, man. Hey, man, speak, well, you go ahead and keep speaking, man. I am. I, 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 don't I, say that when I hit it and I go my, take my trip to Mars. I'm like, dog. man, Alvin ain't coming. Big dog. No, I'm like, you ain't I, coming. All right, man. Well, you I see, look simple. how hypothetical money has already made you turn against me like that. Now you're already being like, man, because nah, you, was you like, hated on me back be, then. They didn't want my, me. You're supposed to be on my train. You're supposed to be like, all right, yep, yeah, we're going to get this money. We're going to get this back. I believe me, bro. Make yeah. a, make then we're going to buy our own boat, and it's just going to be us. Uh, now, see, now you spin me back around, back on it. Yeah. The all, us, yeah all of us, yeah, just us on the boat, and nobody else can get on Nobody, no tickets, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Private, private sky boat. Yeah. I fuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's just my quick thoughts. I, you know, um, that's just, I'm looking at how the world's playing out. It looks kind of crazy. That's just some, just the things that I think about from time to time. Got a couple more things I want to touch on. We're getting deep into it. So I'm going to try to move quick, even though these, these really have got me burning and are things I really care about, but maybe we'll go into more detail on a Patreon episode or something at a different later time. 
So have you been? Have you heard about the Shakari Richardson story? She qualified for the Tokyo Olympics mm-hmm. by b- blowing out everybody in the race a couple of weeks ago. Took the world by storm because she just was like her unapologetic self. She was this black girl with tattoos and orange hair and long nails. She people a lot of people uh, she reminds them of, of, of FloJo. And she, I mean, she went viral. Everybody was like, oh my God, like she's so real. Her mom just died. This is amazing. Uh, this past week, she tested positive for marijuana and they, she's been uh, suspended and won't be able to participate in the Olympics. She won't be able to participate in the 100 meters. She won't be able to participate in the 100 meters, but that's her, that's her, that's her category. Yeah. That's what got her to the Olympics. Yeah. She qualified for the Olympics for her, for her, uh, her her uh performance in the 100 meter dash okay because she tested positive for marijuana in that performance they struck her performance from the records so it's like that didn't even happen so whoever so not only does she not get to go to the olympics whoever came in second in that race it now came in first and her performance it didn't happen even though she blew them out of the water yeah but why can't she i don't understand why she can't do the relay she could because because that's not how well i don't i don't know anything about olympic so maybe you're right but like if if that's like but based you say on both your team, did the hundred meter or whatever, but he still did the relay. He also did the relays in the Olympics as well. Oh, okay, well maybe I'm wrong. I don't yeah. know, but that's the that's the thing that she was going to do. But the, yeah, the hundred meters is her thing. Yeah, so that's why that's why that one's got the biggest story because yeah. that's the one. Well, maybe she can still go and do yeah, the relay, yeah. but she actually put out a tweet that was like, "Hey guys, thanks for all the support. Um, you know, uh, have fun at the Olympics." But she we all know, it all. yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's like, we all know that it won't be the same. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, so. She, I think she's gonna take a stand and not go, and yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. And my, the the real point is that it it caused this debate about race and drugs and weed, and um, I've heard some I've heard some interesting thoughts on both sides of like, hey man, rules are rules and all this kind of stuff. But I just want to just for as quickly as possible, because again, I'm not trying to ramble on, but these are this is what we do here. We're talking about current events, right? The history of marijuana becoming illegal, not only in this country but around the world, has incredibly racist. And 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 uh, problematic and capitalist uh, stepping stones to get to where it is today, right? Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, marijuana became a political enemy when it was a hemp was a crop that was used to do things in the early eighteen hundreds or late eighteen hundreds into the early nineteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. That product, hemp, which is marijuana, becoming popular caused people from Mexico to come over to do labor. So the lazy, quote unquote, the lazy Mexican stereotype, which is the craziest fucking thing ever, by the way. I've never seen people work harder than Mexican. It'll be a hundred. You're talking about the Pacific Northwest. There's houses being built right now. There's a group of Mexican uh, contractors on a on roof. On the roof. On the roof. <laughs> Where's in 108 the degrees outside. Wow. So the idea of like lazy and me- is crazy to me. But it came from, it started with, with lobbyists and government officials in the united states being like oh they're coming over here and undercutting the labor here to do the hemp uh farming Mm -hmm. so we're going to demonize them so that they're not welcome here and we're going to blame that that they are bringing uh the drugs marijuana are coming with the illegal immigrants that's the same thing that's happening today they'll do the work for half as much money it's always about money it's always about money so they so and again yes exactly right so in the early 1900s, that's where weed starts to become demonized. Richard Nixon uh, implements the uh, uh, narcotics prohibition in 1970. I can't remember what the uh, the actual name of, the, of, of it is. Mm-hmm. But he what he did was he put weed in the same category as heroin and crack cocaine. It was just a tactic to like shit on people who didn't vote for him. 
and and weed, as far as the Olympics go, wasn't banned until 1998, right? So when you talk about, it hasn't been that long. It hasn't been that long, and it like it came out of that's crazy. It came out of like a, a history of lies. Marijuana has been around for thousands of years. People have used it for medicinal purposes. And then all of a sudden, when it didn't benefit the American government and the American capitalist system, they made it illegal and blamed Mexican people for bringing it over here. And then in 1970, the president made it federally illegally. I mean, made it federally illegal because he didn't like the people who smoked it and then and then lumped it in with heroin, which is crazy. Basically, the reason that it still stands in the Olympics today is there's three criteria for uh, something being banned as a substance or anything in the Olympics. Mm. It is if it's performance enhancing, uh, if they think that it's a dangerous, addictive substance, or if it's unbecoming of sportsmanship. Who gives a shit what you guys think is unbecoming of sport? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This girl worked her ass off, and I don't think she was high when she ran the thing, but if she was, she should get like extra points because being high out of your mind on weed and beating everybody in a race. Tells me that you're an incredible athlete. Her mom passed away. She was dealing with her emotions in the best way that she knew how to at the moment. Whether or not, I understand people make mistakes. She was She's a 21-year-old girl with the world on her shoulders, and she made a mistake. And so her entire, the, the bright future that she has is being jeopardized because of a, a, a stigma that was put on a, a plant out of racism. And so that's crazy to me. I understand that rules are rules. But stupid rules are stupid rules, and this is absolutely crazy to me. Weed is not a performance-enhancing drug. Shakira Richardson should be allowed to perform. She blew the pe- she blew her competition out of the water, and she just gets replaced because she smoked some weed. Yeah, that's crazy to me, man. I just that's Ain't just right. it's just it's just it's not right. And it's one of those kind of things where they go over the rules of the rules. But you know something? You know what else was the rules of the rules? They stripped Reggie Bush of his Heisman Trophy oh, yeah, because they felt like he made some money from his likeness, and now they changed the rule. Just in the last couple of weeks ago. Yep. Now, Give back you, can, now you can go get a, Char- a Carl's Jr. check if you're a, a college athlete. So so that rule was the rule then. But is that fair? Reggie Bush ran all those thousands of yards, yeah. broke all those records. Reggie Bush is one of the most decorated football college football players ever. Yeah. And they took his Heisman Trophy away because records, he made... all of it. Records all of it. All of that. Because he made allegedly made some money off of his likeness while he was in college because you don't pay your athletes any money. Yeah. And that's the rule. But is that right? No, that's not right, man. This girl smoked some weed. Her mom passed away. She found out from a reporter in an interview that her mom died. Damn, for real? Yeah. The reporter was like, hey, man, you know you're... Because she was raised by her grandmother. Yeah. So she didn't have the best relationship with her mom, but it's still her mom. Yeah. And she found it. So a reporter's like, hey, Shakari, how you doing? So uh, how you doing since she found out your mom died? And she's like, what? She found that out. That's how she found out her mom that's died. Crazy. And she's in a state where weed is legal. Why and don't even get... allowed to be asked? That's crazy. It, that goes into a whole different thing about how these reporters are with these athletes, and that's why Naomi Osaka is not playing in the Wimbledon. You know, it's a whole – everything is cyclical and comes back and connects to things. But, again, I don't want to go too deep into my feelings about how much money is being made in the, in the legal marijuana trade by predominantly white faces, billions of dollars being made, and they gatekeep who's allowed to come into that industry. Yeah. And in Oregon, weed is legal, so they're currently – the 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 money that Shakari spent on gummies, weed, whatever, if she bought it from a legal dispensary, when you think about how that dollar traveled from her pocket into a business that is legally selling weed into the hands of some dude, most likely a white man, who's making money off selling weed, and and then that money goes into the tax system, which benefits Oregon, and the only person punished in that whole circle is the black girl who runs track. 
Yeah, so she, but she probably could have had it where it was legal, though, right? She had it in, in a place. Oregon, it's yeah, legal yeah. to smoke oh, it's weed. Legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just against the rules of the, the Olympic Commission. Yeah. I, I, again, I agree that it's all fucked up and everything, but again, the rules are the rules. Yeah. The rules also, are the rules. Right. I'm also, not, I don't argue with that right. at all. Also, but it's not right. It's not right. But she did mess up the bag, though. Oh, it, but she's, again, I don't like to put it in those terms because she's 21. Her mom just died. And but that's a and, big, that's most likely her big break. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. To be one of those Michael Phelps, yeah, yeah, to get the subway bag and the commercials, and this was her big moment. But I think that the moment of the protest mm-hmm. could be bigger than what she would have done at the Olympics. Now, mm-hmm. it's not what she has trained her whole life to do, but and it's not about the money at this point, but. There is publicity and all of the things that come with the Olympics in this moment if she does it right. Yeah. And she could really advocate in a way that changes the sport forever in a way that's positive. Yeah, but... Because what would they prefer her to do? Like, go out and take Xanax and things that are legal legal ways to, to help with depression? The thing that gets me so much about the Shakira Richardson thing is that yeah. I know from growing up in Baltimore how hard it is for uh, black people... From, from the mud, which it seems like she carries from, like from the bottom, no opportunities handed to her. She's not some spoiled kid who just like, I don't think she had the best track shoes her whole life and went to the best schools that every school she went to had a track and she didn't have to go like set up that the school had some kind of agreement with the community college around the corner. Yeah. So when I see girls like she carry or there's young ladies killing and swimming right now, black black girls and stuff, I know how hard it is to come from those situations, if they came from those situations of being underprivileged, how hard it is to get to the Olympics. Because it's one thing that you can always, one thing about uh, uh, black neighborhoods and uh, under, underserved communities, you can always play football and you can always play basketball. There's always the AAU team. There's a, there, Somebody will give you some sneakers because those are the two lanes that they know black people excel at. Yeah. But for track and field, uh, the shot put, swimming, these things that like, if you want to be a swimmer, you have to go, you have to be in a community that has an Olympic sized pool. Yeah. You have to have money to hire a trainer. Or you, you got to watch your diet. Yeah. It's or, an expensive thing to, to be good is. at. It is. Or you have to have like your talent level is out of this world. Or like, that. Like where, Simone where Biles. All that stuff. Yeah. All that stuff it's, comes free. Simone Biles, it's not even, it's not even close how good she is of the competition. Yes. It's insane. But that's also an expensive Gymnastics, right? But again, like if when you're Simone Biles, you're like four foot six, yeah. a freak athlete. It's like yeah. okay, we'll just give you the stuff for, for free. free. Yep. But yep. everybody's not in that. Some people could be in that same not not as much of a champion as Simone Biles because she's yeah, yeah. incredible, but could be a silver medalist in the gymnastics. But it takes the work and yeah. the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you just don't have the natural uh, ability and are a freak and a yeah. one a one of one. But that hard work, not just. In, in the Olympic sports, yeah. the hard work isn't enough if you're not a generation, if you're not Michael Phelps or something. Yeah, yeah. So if you're just like, I'm I'm a decent swimmer. Mm-hmm. I'm a decent uh, whatever the things where you jump over the things while you're running. What's that? The hurdles. The hurdles. I'm mm-hmm. a decent hurdler. But if I had a trainer and the money to, to, to devote my time to this, I could be great. I'm yeah. good naturally. Yeah. I'm not great naturally like Simone Biles, but I'm good naturally. But I don't have nearly the funds to like to pay to do this right to 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 go to a, like a charter school that has an olympic gymnastics team yeah. every school doesn't have these kind of teams no. every school doesn't have an olympic pool my school i went to a school that didn't have a track you had to go practice 
at a at a different school. Ran track. I didn't run track. Oh. I'm just saying they didn't oh. have the, they didn't have they weren't equipped for every sport. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of schools like that where it's like we don't have track. We can't do the track meet here. There's no home games. There's yeah. no home track meets at the school because mm. we don't have the track. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just know how hard it is for Shakari Richardson to have gotten to the point that she got to, and for it to end like this is like man, like. That's like such that's so devastating because I know how hard she worked. Yeah. And not just work as becoming faster, like having a place to train, getting training shoes, like all of that shit that comes with it. Yeah. Get ha, your your mom is, you know, she's a, she's addicted to drugs or going through whatever the thing she's going through. So your grandmother has to find time in her work schedule to drive you to the track meets. Mm. All that type of stuff. So it's just crazy, man. And and What's done is done. There is no, there's still, there are people that were still hopeless, hopeful over the last couple of days. Like maybe they'll, it's only a 30 day suspension and the Olympics are past that. She won't be competing. No. That is official. She's, she's been banned or whatever, That's suspended crazy. from the Olympic, from the Olympics. So that won't be happening. That's fucked up, man. So, I mean, that's absolutely fucked up, but um, yeah, man, that just, that really touched me. I was really uh, upset about that. Yeah. Um, now, before we're going to touch on this very briefly, I don't feel like going too deep in this. Bill Cosby uh, has been released from prison on a technicality. So I'm going to tell you the, all the information before we even go into anything. So basically what happened was Bill Cosby testified or went to a hearing or something a couple of years back where he had a deal already on the table that said, I will come and I will cooperate and tell you whatever, answer whatever questions that you ask me. But this is not a deposition and this cannot be, this is not legally admissible in court. Mm -hmm. That was what was on the table when he went and agreed. So basically he was freed on the idea that he should have never been in prison in the first place because he had a deal on the table. Mm -hmm. Bill Cosby is not innocent. Bill Cosby, him being freed is not vindication from the accusations Bill Cosby was freed because he came, admitted to drugging girls uh, in, a, in a court of law, but he did that comfortably because he had a deal on the table. Mm. And because he had that deal on the table, he should have never gone to prison in the first place. Dang. And that's why Bill Cosby was freed. Mm. Bill Cosby, I've, I listened to Chasing Cosby. I listened to these women's stories. I listened to his call, phone calls to them. And... I believe that Bill Cosby is guilty of being a nasty, dirty old man who used his power and his position to take advantage of women and also drugged women without their knowledge in a lot of situations and then took advantage of them in a situation where they could not consent because they were drugged. He is free, though. Yep. So that's all my thoughts on that. But I just wanted to be clear to people for anybody who's like, see, NBC was trying to frame him because he was trying to buy NBC. And so they're just trying to keep a black man down. Bill Cosby did some nasty shit. He raped women and then tried to offer them college tuition as payment for their silence. And uh, he is not an innocent person. He is a free person, though. So now there's this whole conversation about, well, should people be interviewing Bill Cosby and all this kind of stuff? He ain't doing no damn interviews. He shouldn't. Just go. I don't, don't be OJ Simpson. OJ Simpson's out here on Twitter and shit. Just go, <laughs> just go away, bro. Your presence is triggering the people. Hey, man, nobody OJ wants. He to said he don't think he did it, man. He like, man, look. Good morning, America, or whatever Twitter, <laughs> or whatever the fuck he says. I don't know Good morning, Twitter. Yeah. It's the juice. So, uh, what's <laughs> up with this? Advice? Yeah, <laughs> sagging your pants. Hey, man, don't you want to be respectable? Don't you want people to think? You know, like, don't tell me anything about trying to be a respectable person, juice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, before we get out of here, let's do these. Uh, we got a couple of Patreon shoutouts. Ooh. 
quick list this week, but you know, there's no everybody matters always. Thank you so much to the Patreon. Also, I just want to let people know that I've gotten a couple of messages saying there's something going on with the Patreon website where people are being kicked out of their subscriptions they're not being allowed access to their content unfortunately i have no way to troubleshoot that or any kind i don't know how to fix that i'm sorry hopefully uh patreon can get that sorted out for you guys but please keep me posted and let me know how that process is going anyway we're gonna start with skylar d shout out to skylar d much appreciation for you joining the patreon shout out to you hope you're enjoying the content over there and i hope you're getting access to it and you're not being barred from it uh, up next we got brianna I like her name because it starts off Brie, B-R-I-E is the capital B, B-R-I-E, and then the A jumps up and is like, I'm here, mm. and then that's capitalized. So I fuck with that. Brie, Anna, it's like two names. Shout out to Brianna R. Much love and appreciation, man. We, uh, we're only here because of people like you. Up next, we got Whitney G. Shout out to Whitney G. Much love and appreciation. I like her photo. It looks like a portrait of some kind. Much love, Whitney. Thank you very much. Up next, we got Margaret. Margaret N. Shout out to you, Margaret. That is a very fancy name. Reminds me of like a, a, a duchess or something. Shout out to Margaret. Uh, up next, we got Leela. No last name. Shout out to you, Leela. Much appreciation. We, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining the Patreon. Hope you're enjoying what we got on there. Up next, we got Kiana B. Shout out to you, Kiana. Much love. Uh, I had a homie named Kiana when I was in high school. She could knock anybody out. I'm not, and her last name isn't your last name. But if you come from that lineage of Kianas, I'm sure you got hands. So much appreciation to you for uh, showing some love and, and some support to the Patreon. Thank you, Kiana. That's all the Patreon uh, shout-outs we got this week. Also, just to let people know, we have reached our threshold uh, for the order of shirts. Uh, so we're going to go put that order in and start the process of getting those uh, shirts or, uh, printed up. If you did not uh, get a shirt this time around, we may be in the next month or so, we'll be doing a new drop with a new logo, you know, no guarantees on that. But at some point, I'm, I'm saying no guarantees on the next month or so. But at some point, we're going to be doing drops every now and then with some different some different logos, some different designs. And so maybe you can catch us next time around. Thank you to everybody who bought a shirt and showed support and love. Um, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I think it's Fran's turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit to start off with. So stick around. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeInABook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audio book using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my mylifeinabook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P 
at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time, that's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. All right, welcome back. It's my turn to go first. Uh, I think I got a good story this week. So my story, my firm of murder this week, is about the story of Lester Eubanks. Lester Eubanks. Lester Eubanks. Now, um, I came across this episode, I mean, came across this story, looking for another story. I was like, hmm, let me go, let me jump onto this one. Yeah. So I kind of found out that, you know, this story started to gain, Happened. This happened over like maybe like fifty some years ago, something like that. Okay. But it started gaining more traction now because uh, there was an episode that recently aired on Unsolved Murders about this story. Now they're getting closer to uh, the authorities are getting closer to catching this guy. Okay. Guy probably was like seventy some years old at this point or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this episode was uh, Unsolved Mysteries um, season two, um, season two episode three, which is called Death Row Fugitive. Pretty good episode. Um, I read, I watched the episode after I read the story, just so it's just easier to, for me to understand it. Yeah. So here we go. So since the airing of the episode on Eubanks titled Death Row Fugitive, police say they have received numerous tips about him. Mm -hmm. So the cold case fugitive Lester Eubanks, who was sentenced to death in the seventies for the murder of 14 year old, a 14 year old girl in Ohio, but then escaped prison. He has given new energy as tips poured poured in after an episode of the Netflix series Unsolved Mysteries highlighted the case. The U.S. Marshals Service also increased their reward to 50000 after the series was released on, on October 19th. Now, I think the original reward was $25,000. Okay. So Eubanks raped and murdered Mary, Mary Ellen, who was 14 years old, when mm. she was walking to the laundromat in Mansfield, Ohio. In the, in the documentary, uh, her sister, her, I think one of her older sisters, her name was Myrtle, Myrtle Carter, I think what her name was, that okay. told the story. Lady reminds me of my great-grandma. It was, it's crazy. But anywho, so uh, Mary Ellen um, and her sister was going to wash clothes because their, wash, their dryer, um, you know, went up. It, sure. it broke. So they had to walk to the the nearest laundromat, which is near... Which was like at twelve o'clock at in the, at night or whatever. Oh, so they geez. had to walk. They had to walk there. But the reason why their mom let them walk to the laundromat at that late at night because their grandma lived next door to the laundromat, right? Got it. So uh, they walked to the laundromat, got there. They didn't have enough coins. So Mary Ellen left. Left her sister there. Said, "Hey, wait here. I'll be back." She had to walk around five minutes to the other laundromat to get quarters. Oh, and wow. on her way there, she didn't return back to her sister at the at the laundromat. Wow. Um, so, and then after a while, her other sister went 
um, told the grandma, like, hey, you know, um, Mary Ellen hasn't came back. So uh, the grandma went to f- try to find her. And then right. as she walked to his laundromat, she saw the whole police shut off. And she saw that it was Mary Ellen there. Like, so they found her that night. They found her that night. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, yeah, so Eubanks raped and murdered Mary Ellen, uh, who was 14, when she was walking to the laundromat in Mansfield, Ohio, in 1965. He confessed to the crime after police tracked him down by searching shops to see if anyone had purchased a gun that matched the bullets that killed uh, uh, Mary Mary Ellen. Mm. So immediately after the whole crime scene investigation and everything, they went to local shops to find out, you know, who bought gun a gun or uh, ammunition ammunition. that matched the one that was killed, the one that killed Mary Ellen. Yeah. So Mary Ellen was shot not only. She Mary Ellen was not only shot twice, but later hit in the head with a brick. Oh, so geez. this dude, Lester Eubanks, killed this little girl, raped this little girl, uh-huh. shot her twice, I think, uh-huh. up to her soul in the bottom. Left, left her there. This dude was planning to go. He went home and changed. Was supposed to go out dancing. Wow. Came back mm-hmm. to the crime scene, saw that Mary Ellen was still struggling, so she was still alive, mm. trying to get help. Yeah. You know. So he went, grabbed a brick, and, and, finished her and finished her off. Wow. And went on by his business. Mm. So Eubanks, who was 22 at the time, was sentenced to death for the crime, after which he received two day, he, re, he received two stays of execution. So um, they found him immediately. It, was, mm. it wasn't quick. Um, her, his, her oldest sister in the documentary was like, they knew this guy. I mean, they seen him. Uh, it's like a neighborhood guy. He was, he's a neighborhood guy. He used to, she said he used to always walk around with nunchucks. That's just so Bruce Lee. So, so odd. Like you just it's you walk around the block odd. with just nunchucks. And but also at the same time, like if you're a narcissist, I feel like you might think that people would be like, "Oh, oh that's shit! Cool. Oh yeah, are you like a karate kung fu master?" Or yeah. Something? And he's like, you know, Don't yeah, I'm just going down him. to the just going down to go play some basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Catch it under your arm, you know? What yeah. I'm saying? Where y'all going? Catch yeah. it, hold it there. Why though? Why are you? Nobody. It's like nobody's people, impressed. It's like people that wear big hats, or you know, people that um, is attention, is funky, attention grab. Yeah, people or? that wear funky sunglasses. It's like you need, you need, you're craving something. Yeah. So she said, but she used to just see him all the time, and it was just like, just a, he's just walking around here all the time. It's nothing. He never did anything where it's like he caught. It was a lot of attention going yeah. his way. Other than was him a guy around, he, yeah, he was just a guy around the that guy, the nunchuck guy. That yep. was his like. Descriptor. Yeah, so he received two two stays of execution in 1972, and the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional, and his sentence was commuted to life life in prison. Now, unconstitutional because like he's mentally ill or something. Or? I think he tried to plead uh, for uh, what is it? Uh, insanity. Insanity. But that didn't work. But this was in 19, 1972. So 1972 is when uh, the death penalty was. Oh, like abolished. abolished. Got abolished. it. In, so in, it some, around, in some states. Yeah, so it was around that time, and I'm, uh, Ohio was one of them. So got it, got it. That's why he, he only got life in prison. That's why I was commuted. That's, yeah. Okay, yeah, got yeah. it, got it. So Eubanks became what the Unsolved Mystery episode titled Death Row Fugitive called a, a model prisoner while he was serving his time and was eventually granted special privileges for good behavior. Now. Here we go. During this time he was in prison, um, they were saying that, uh, a lot of people that was a lot of inmates that was near him said that you know he was a very tall, very cocky guy. Um, nunchucks, that's why the nunchucks. Yeah, he was very opinionated, and he didn't like he didn't talk to a lot of people. And he didn't like a lot of people in the prison, whatever. Right? 
He thought he was better than people? I guess. So he didn't have, he didn't have like a lot of friends or whatever. And he was, again, a loner. Yeah. Also in his prison. But they were saying that he was. Like, do you guys even nunchuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't even nunchuck. Yeah. Uh, so they were saying that he was a very talented artist. Like, he used to do all these crazy paintings and stuff mm. while he was in there. And they said that he was, he didn't talk much, but he was very, he was very talented. Now, his his execution did get pushed back three times mm. bec- before they, before this. Before the, the, like, the, before the uh, death penalty yeah, was before abolished. The, before or, it was abolished, yeah. right? So, but what happened was. After that, when he got life in prison, he was put into the general population of the prison, right? Yeah. So, this is when he was able to put on this facade as, like, I'm not who they say I am. I'm yeah. This nice guy, very, they became very talkative, became friends Psycho- with everybody. Psychopath. Psychopath. Started winning over the guards mm-hmm. or whatever. So, he started, you know, getting all this, uh, all these special perks be- and stuff. Uh, yep. Yeah. Special benefits of him being a good, on good behavior. Yeah. So then they came up with this um, this honor program, right? Which okay. was like, why would why would they even come up with something like this? Is crazy. So the honor program was you can leave prison for some for some reason. Oh, like you like you can come just, back at, come back just, at three. Yeah, exactly. So wow. he was he did such a good job with it. So what they were saying that this was all planned, but he must have known this was coming at some point for him to go. I got to turn this on. Yeah, right. So he ended up being in being granted into the honor program. Uh huh. This fucking guy, <laughs> during Christmas, they let this man go out to the mall and do Christmas shopping. Now, let me just say this, because <laughs> let me let me just say this, because um, I believe that in a utopian world, if prison did the things that we expect them to do, which mm-hmm. is like reform and make people better, exactly. then I'm not opposed to a person who committed armed robbery or something. Working that, their way exactly. to a point where they exactly. get some kind of perks or get to go to a halfway house or even get put like a minimum security type of situation. I'm not opposed to that. But the person who murdered and raped and murdered a 14-year-old girl and hit her in the head with a brick, maybe they're not allowed to do yeah, that. Yeah, like, like you say, it was a reform, like a reform type of uh, uh, movement going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, like you said, for those type maybe of- Maybe he shouldn't be a candidate Those type of, Exactly, those type yeah. of crimes. Okay, get it. You can, it was a thing where it was like, oh, we need to try to- Fix these inmates yeah. and get them ready for going out into the real world. Exactly, this guy's not going he's out. He's not. He has life, life in prison. Why yeah. would he need to go out, be let out? That? Yeah, like that's crazy. he shouldn't get any taste of freedom if he's got life in prison for rape that's and crazy. murder. How about you give him some free snacks or something? You know, like yeah. here's a perk for you. You've been such a good inmate or whatever. You get extra TV time. Ex- uh, yeah, you get extra like uh, court time. Not you get to time. go out to the mall to go. Sh- Christmas shopping? Yeah, so like to people that had good behavior, they, they was able to venture outside of the prison. So on December 7th of 1973, now this guy had, his his behavior was like, he was the best inmate. Yeah. Like he was like the best. Like, oh, he's golden, allowed a to golden go. goose. Yep. So on December 7th, 1973, however, prisoners went on Christmas shopping trips in Columbus, Ohio. And Eubanks was able to stop, sorry, shop unattended by a guard. So it was like, all right, drop you guys off here. We meet back at this diner at 2 p.m. or whatever. Right? That's everything you keep saying, like, escalates into <laughs> something that's even crazy. Yes. Like, even if I understand reform or whatever, he should be accompanied by a guard at all Absolutely. times. Absolutely. You're in public. There's kids. It's Christmas time. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. So he could just be like, all right, guys, uh, you know, we'll meet at the Onions Pretzel yeah. at 1.30. And we'll everybody come and you sh- show us what you got. And whoever got the coolest prize or whoever, got, whoever bought the coolest thing, 
you know, they get to control the radio station on the way back to prison. Come on, man. Like, like this, come on. There has to be a middle ground here. Yep. So, but before I move on, um, they were saying that um, before this plan, whatever. So, but I, uh, he must have had, must have knew what was, you know, what the whole thing was, the program. Because it was like, they were saying that um, his visitor list was alarming, right? So, it was like he was getting a visitor once a month. Closer to... Before the shopping trip, he was getting one every week. Yeah. He was getting a visit every week. And that's but they they caught on that later after this guy yeah. has been gone. Clearly he was formulating the plan. Exactly. So yeah. he was already talking to Pick me up. people. He was already had a plan. I'm sure they were giving them updates, like the guards and stuff being like, Hey guys, so you know, because of your good behavior in a month something. In a month something. we're gonna be going to the Columbus Mall. Especially if you build a relationship with the guards. Yeah. They know they already know, so they're gonna tell you it's a little inside. Even if it's not public information, he might have been able to get out some little extra stuff that was happening yeah. so he can make his plan ahead of time. Yeah. It don't matter how much good be if you're in prison, you're you're in there for a reason. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to go out into the public. Doing not Christmas. if you're a murderer. If you're a murderer, right. If yes, you're a murderer, I'm sorry. Yes, if you're, yes, if you're yes, a murderer. Yes. In a public. I, I think that with, there are some crimes and scenarios, maybe in a minim, minimal security prison or even like a jail, yeah. where like, yeah, try to like reaccommodate them and reacclimate them into society, yeah. take some little trips, go to a park, yeah. something to make them feel like a person. Because prison is notorious for stripping you away from your identity. But the person who's in prison for the rest of their life for rape and murder. Of a child. Doesn't need, of a child yeah. doesn't need to go to the mall exactly. for Christmas shopping. Also, like, why? For one, it shouldn't be unattended. And that. And, and that. And it shouldn't be be able to go out by himself. But they were dressed in, in just regular plain clothes. No, you didn't say that, too. Are you serious? <laughs> serious. He, had, he was dressed in regular. So it's the 70s. Clothes. So he had, like, the big, the big he collar got the shirt on. on with a, he got, like, an afro with the hat on the, on the back, on the side of his afro. Chilling. Just with, can blend with, in with the other with people. With the parachute pants on, just blending in. Just as soon as he leaves, he he blends in now. He doesn't have like an orange jumpsuit, yeah. nothing. Nothing that he stands out where people can go. That's a prison. Exactly. Where alarms people, where people on notice, like, oh, why is he? Yeah. Why is he out? That where? should be, at the very least, if you're going to, none of this should be happening. <laughs> but like, if you're going to, we got to go through step by step. If you're going to let them go walk around the prisons unattended, yeah. have them be in something that says like their prison number on the back of it. Yeah. So people go, oh, that's a person yeah. who's in prison. But a mall? A mall. Or there's hundreds of people in the mall. I'm trying to justify it. <laughs> but the, the plain clothes thing takes it to a level where it's like, this is egregious. Like, this yeah. doesn't this doesn't make any sense. So they would let this man go out Christmas shopping for his family. In regular clothes. In regular clothes. Unattended. Unattended. According to the U.S. Marshal Service, the prisoners were given time to meet to go back to the prison, but Eubanks never showed up. At yeah, the Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> in, the ser- in, in the series, authorities mentioned they believe that Eubanks had been plotting his escape prior to that day. Of course. Probably had the, the ride, the time. Hey, pick me up from the parking lot at this time. That's crazy. Yep. So authorities have discovered that Eubanks had gone by the alias Victor Young. Okay. So um, when he finally was on his way out after a while, he um, obviously he couldn't get a license or whatever. Right. So he ended up no getting social a, security yeah, card. Yeah, so he ended up getting a hunter's license, which you don't you don't need fingerprints to get that. So the dude was oh, wow. the dude was on his shit. Yeah, it's crafty. So you just all you gotta do is put a fake name, boom, and then he he used that as a as his identification. So you could get away with this in the seventies still. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is a hunter's license gonna? You can't drive a car with a hunter's license. Yeah, I guess he just uses like to get jobs. I guess I don't know. That's crazy. Um, in a Netflix episode, police describe how they also discovered that he made his way to California, where he lived with a pen pal, um, that he talked to while he was in prison. So now in this lady. I'm sorry, I got I got I got my notes written down too. Also, I'm reading from um, All Things Interesting on my phone. Uh, so this lady name was um, 
K Banks. So K Banks was Kate or K K. K Banks was um, like K as in the notes that you saw didn't have the full name, or it's like K A Y K A Y. Oh wow, K Banks. K Banks. So she was dating his cousin name. His name was something Banks. Got it. It's, I don't know how the name the names went. His name is U Banks, and then his cousin name is Banks. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, um, she was dating his cousin in Ohio, who was like this. He's a pretty famous singer in Ohio. Oh no, in Detroit. I'm sorry, in Detroit. Okay. So um, he was killed. His cousin was killed. And then she moved from Detroit to California. Got it. But they were pen pals between then. Because of the connection of his cousin. Because of the connection. So they were saying that, you know, they it was pictures of her in his cell. Mm-hmm. They built this relationship. Um, which is crazy because, like, that that stuff doesn't come up until he's been gone after. It's like, right. how, they I, didn't pay any how, attention to like, it. That's crazy. Well, I mean, you're allowed to have pen pals, pen pals in prison and put up. But he escaped. But. Yeah, escape, but that's why when they wouldn't... start connecting the dots. <laughs> but I mean, why doesn't that come up earlier though? Like, why, why wasn't that like maybe we should try to contact this, contact this person first? Oh, you're saying some time went by yeah. of, of him being escaped of as him well, being gone for Got him to it. go. We need to find out where he is yeah. and all this type of stuff. Oh, well, he's in California with his his pen pal, whatever. You're saying it took a while for them to make that connection. Exactly. Got yeah, it. Yeah, okay, yeah. got you. Got you. So that's the part I'm like, why, why, why is it taking so long? The woman had previously been married to Eubanks' cousin where he was later killed. She described Eubanks as a bully. She eventually got him to move out by saying she called, she had received a phone call from the FBI. Mm. So she lived with this guy and was like, he's a bully. He's fucking crazy. Probably um, abusive. I have to get him out of here. FBI called. Yeah. They're, they're coming. Looking for you. Mm-hmm. Gone. It, that's all it took. Like a thief in the night. Gone. <laughs> she, they haven't seen him talk to him since. Since that day, he was out of there. Yeah. So police also believe that Eubanks' father the late Reverend Moles Eubanks knew where his son was mm. and would not reveal that information to authorities. Authorities tapped Moses' phone and believed that he talks um, that he took calls from Eubanks and Moses died in 2012. Now they went, they called this guy, called his father, and was like, "Hey, you know, um, we looking for your son or whatever, right?" Uh-huh. So he goes, "We can, you can come and talk, but I'm not talking about I'm not son? talking about my son." <laughs> Why the fuck would I? You know, I mean, we can come we out, talk, you? Come, you know, we can talk about uh, baseball or you know, Satchel Page or something yeah, like that. So but went, I'm not talking about my right. son. It's like, sir, that's why we called you. So <laughs> right. I don't want to. What will we come talk to you about? So they meet with this. They meet with his dad. Talk about I don't know whatever. And oh, so they still went. They still went. They knew to that him. they were gonna. They were gonna talk to him about they his son. Going, they, yeah, yeah, no matter what he said. No. So they was. They was gonna bring it up. Yeah. Either way. So they went and talked to him, and he was like, you know, um, he said that there's nothing you guys can do to bring this little girl back. Right. But people change and people start new lives. Right. Um, so the uh, detective was like, I know yeah. that's your son and everything, but come <laughs> on, man. The detective was like, oh, we know, we know that you know yeah. where your son is. Just from your answer. Just from your answer. <laughs> that's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite interrogation room tactics yeah, yeah. is like, they'll ask the person who they have uh, 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 in custody for the crime. They'll be like, what do you think we should do when we catch the guy that killed that girl? And then if they're guilty, they'll be like, I mean, you know, tell them, hey, that's not cool and arrest them and, you know, gently arrest them. Don't hurt them. And then, you know, let the law do the law. Yeah. But a person who's innocent is more likely to be like, oh, they killed a kid. I'll shoot them. Don't even put them in. Don't even uh, put them in custody. Kill them right there and on the spot. So him being like, hey, man, listen, what he did is what he did. Right. But life goes on and people become better people. And I haven't heard from him, but I think he it's possible he could be a better person. And you're like, oh, okay, you know exactly where your son is then. Yeah, so after they talked to him, they was like, okay, well, we know we know that you know exactly where he is. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, he, he said his little thing where he was like, uh, you know, uh, 
people move on, new mm-hmm. lives, and you know. But I, but I pray for him. It's like I bet. I sure. bet you send him some money too. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Just tell us. Just can you just tell us? He killed somebody. He killed a child. I get it. You're his dad. I get it, bro. That was a different life. But you're though, not going to. You you're not going to. You're not going to tell us where he is. But I it's like not. you know, I ain't nothing y'all can do to bring a little girl back. But you know, people make mistakes, start their lives, and I pray for him. It's like, all right. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, Mo's. You a reverend? Yeah. You a reverend? You a reverend? You, you allowing this? this? Kill children? Crazy. So the 1994 um, TV episode certainly helped. So then they they was like, okay, we need to get more. We need to get more eyes on this. So they yeah. put him on America's Most Wanted, right? Mm. Put him on America's Most Wanted. That's when that's when um the uh the the his pen pal kind of was like, I know who this person is. So yeah. That's where that whole thing came Cause from. Because the bag was on the table. Yeah. So um one of the detectives notified the LAPD of his search for Lester Eubanks and found a cooperative detective and Tim Connor. The duo teamed up to check out the um the mattress factory in Cordina, California, where an anonymous source called for um uh, about Eubanks. So there was another call that saying, I know this guy. Mm-hmm. He, he works worked with at me. the yeah. uh at, at this mattress company. Before they even got there, he was gone. 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 So it, and not even like he even knew they was Coming after he was, he like, just knew I he, can't. He, he knew he had to be on like yeah. a, a different yeah. type. He of can't move he, around. He can't lay his head one place for a long time. He's like, I got to get up out of here. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he ever took employment that ever did at any background check. He was a guy who who didn't lay his head in um in any one place for a long time. Mm-hmm. So through the media stunt, helped raise awareness, and the U.S. Marshals officially listed Eubanks on their 15 most uh wanted list. It was obvious that Lester Eubanks had heard of these developments. And the promising Gondina lead ended with news that their suspect had quit his job and vanished. Mm. I think we were probably fairly close to Lester at some point, but the tips and the technologists didn't make it where we could get close enough, said Connor. He's very cunning. He's not a dumb guy. He's been avoiding the authorities for 40 plus years. <sighs> so Siler believes that Eubanks is most likely being unwittingly protected by people who, who don't even know who he is. He's certain Lester Eubanks has likely fathered children by this point, and is potentially a grandfather as well. Mm. For Siler, tragedy and pain mark the uh, Lester Eubanks case from all angles. The sad thing is, who he's who he has won over are victims too. They have no idea, so when we come knocking on the door and apprehend this person, their families become victims, and, and that's sad. Investigators say Lester Eubanks was an avid martial arts enthusiast. Nunchucks. Who, li- who loved music and art. He easily he's easily recognizable as he has a huge scar on his right arm. The disappearance of Lester Eubanks most recently garnered renewed attention with the second season of Netflix series Unsolved Mysteries. While an unsolved uh, an unsolved murder case that corporate disappearance remains baffling, the show aims to understand how anything like it could have happened. I've thought about him over the years. I think he's probably still alive. I think these people I think though th- there's people who know where he is and what he did. Mm. They're just not giving him up. Unfortunately, neither are authorities as the 50th anniversary of Lester Eubanks escapes. The 50th of Lester Eubanks escapes approaches. Investigators are more determined than ever. Furthermore, it appears DNA evidence collected from his biological son could yield enormous leaps previously unavailable in catching him. The U.S. Marshals are not deterred by the passage of time, and when it comes to cases like this one, said U.S. Marshal Peter Elliott of the Northern District of Ohio, we are all fueled by one thing, and that's the justice of 14-year-old Mary Ellen of Mansfield, Ohio, the innocent victim in this case. Um, so, right again, this dude is still out there. Yeah. At this point, they are getting closer because that episode of Unsolved Mysteries has come out, so they are mm-hmm. getting closer, and now they have DNA evidence 
of you know if he come across this dude at some point. But while he was on a run, when he before they put him on the um, America's Most Wanted, uh-huh. they were supposed to put out a a a, a wanted search for this dude. Yeah, when he first escaped, one of the detectives went and looked up the search warrant. Mm-hmm. They never put it in the search warrant. It got they put it in, but it got deleted somehow. So even if this dude would have got pulled over. Or whatever. There was nothing in the files. There was nothing in the files that would alert authorities to go, hey, this is the guy we've been looking for, for or there's a warrant for you. Wow. And that has been like that for, you know, over, you know, a decade or two, whatever, before all this shit started hitting the fan or whatever. But this dude just been out on the run. Yeah. He didn't even know. So he was like, I got to, you know, I got to jump from place to place. He just figured they were probably doing their job on the other end and they weren't. But so he was, but he was still being cautious like they were. Yeah. But there was no nothing in the system that going, hey, you know, this dude's wanted. So he's just been out there living. This fucking guy, they did a, uh, they have the sketch of him now of how he may look um, as he's older, fucking, I don't know, 70 years old. So this is, that's him, and that's what they think he may look like now. Wow. Yeah. It's talent to be able to figure that out from that's, there. That, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's wild, man. The story, it see, it's interesting, right? See, <clears throat> There's this documentary on Netflix called The Devil Next Door, right? It's about this guy. They believe he he moved, he might have even moved to Ohio. Moved to Ohio. He was living his life. He was like this 60, 70-year-old man, mm-hmm. had kids and a family and everything. And then these people went, you're Ivan the Terrible, the Nazi who killed a bunch of oh, people shit. in Nazi Germany. And he's like, what? What do you mean? No, I'm not. I just, I'm just Frank. I work at the oil mill, yeah. right? And he ended up going. He got extradited to fucking Israel. I want to say maybe Israel. Anyway, he like had to stand trial for crimes against humanity. And he was he he was saying the whole time, like, no, 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 that's not who I am. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting. And then his family's still defending him because they're like, we only know him as the guy the same way his dad is. The way that uh, this guy, what's the guy's name in your story? Who, Lester? Lester. The yeah. way Lester's dad, Moses, is mm-hmm. like, life goes on and is a different person and everything yeah, yeah. like that. If this guy in the Devil Next Door documentary oversaw the murder of hundreds of thousands of people. I don't care if he bounces his granddaughter on his knee and works at a uh, oil mill and yeah. you know, whatever. And you guys have fond memories of Christmas. Yeah. The same way as like this guy, Lester, if he is this 70 year old man now who, you know, works at a Walmart as a greeter mm-hmm. and has grandkids and everything like that, he still was psychopathic enough yeah. to murder a 14 year old girl. And then on the way to go dancing, go check back in on her mm-hmm. and then see that she's still alive and then bash her brain in with a skull. Yeah. So it, it's this interesting, it's like, um, if you're in it, you're like, no, but that's pop pop. But mm, yeah. I see what you're so it's like to you, he's not that person, mm. but they are though. They yeah. still are that person. Absolutely, and yeah. like no, ma- no amount of time can change that. Yeah. So, so just, that's just interesting to, to, to like catch somebody after they did all these horrible things and then start this whole life and you guys are free for decades and start this whole new life and that never comes up. And then you're confronted by it and then they'd be like, I'm not turning in my fucking husband of the last 20 years right, or my right, dad. Right. Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. doing that. Yeah. We just we're just going to fucking hide out until they come catch him. Yeah. So they like they went and contact this guy's family and but nobody is willing to give up his location. Yeah. Right. That's his family, you you know, obviously. But, again, his dad was a reverend. Now, I'm not a religious person at, at all. So, I don't really get into that, the religious thing. But his his one of his things, his dad was like, was saying that 
Um, the authority said that his dad is a very uh, forgive and forget. He has a forgive and forget type of mentality, right? So it was yes. like, you can for, you can forget that this 14-year-old child was, was murdered, brutally mm-hmm. murdered by your son, mm-hmm. but you can forgive your son for, for, for doing that. Yeah. And that's, that's like, I'm not, no, dog. And what if, no. and you can say that from the standpoint of like, your kid's still alive. Right. What if somebody killed your 14-year-old exactly. son? What if somebody killed Lester when they were 14? Yeah. And that's just, I just don't, you can't. That's when you, I saw a video of an old man, a dude. I think he was like, uh, may have been a Muslim guy. His son was killed by a guy in some kind of fight. Mm-hmm. And he he the guy was crying and he apologized to him or whatever in court mm-hmm. and he gave the, the the father of the son gave him a tissue and then shook his hand and gave him a hug in the middle of the trial mm-hmm. he still like got convicted and everything like yeah, that yeah. but that's power that's that's power. that's forgiveness that's forgiveness you being like hey man just forgive him yeah let, let leave it alone that's forgiveness but if you're going to live by that you can't you can't pick and choose. What is going to work for yeah. and if, to your benefit, yeah. and that's why I was like, I just I don't agree with that at all. For yeah. him to go like, that's my son, but you know, I and it's also him. not up to him exactly to forgive exactly yeah. to forgive Lester for what he did to that. It's up to the family, yeah, and they can't forgive him if he's out free. He's out free in the world. He doesn't yeah. even, you know what? I, you know what I would give Lester credit for if he escaped from prison and went and apologized to that family yeah. and then took whatever they come and arrest him or whatever like that. Yeah. Then you go, okay, forgive and forget, or they don't forgive you. It's up to them. But like for you to just be like, Oh, I escaped. And now I'm like living my life now. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, it doesn't sound like the most chill life. He's running around all the time, but he is free. He is. He's been free over 50, 50 years, bro. Like, yeah. So no forgive and forget. This guy's like a, uh, do- dodging his, his punishment. They fucked up. <laughs> Well, that's an understatement. On like, th- yeah. <laughs> that's an understatement. That is crazy. That's like, that's th- crazy. The warden, like everybody at that prison should have been fired. But as far as like somebody, an inmate that was like, or somebody, yeah, an inmate that has the best luck, this dude had the best luck you can possibly have. Absolutely. You avoided the death penalty. You, you're you at a prison at where a crazy, everybody's an idiot. At, yeah, you avoided or the, the death penalty. The, the warden's a hippie or something where it's like, let's just let him. Let him be human for the day. Exactly. So you avoided the death penalty because this all happened, coincidentally happened in the year of 72 when yeah. they abolished That's, the death penalty. Right. Then you, they come up with some fucking brilliant ass idea of a, uh, some honor uh, reform program mm-hmm. where it was like, I just need to put it on. I need to turn it on so I can, so yeah. I can act like a get, person. Then they let you walk around in a mall and, and in regular your, clothes? In, in, your, in your disco clothes. Wild. That was yeah, a fascinating so that story. Was, wow, that's just, absolutely just Definitely insane. go check that that uh that uh show. You said that, season two, episode seven? Episode three. Episode three yeah. of Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Definitely have to check that one out. Yeah, that was a really uh crazy story. What we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, Fran, my affirmative murder this week is actually interesting because I've as far as coming off of your story, I believe that Lester, uh, what was his last name? Eubanks. Sorry. Lester Eubanks. I think that Lester Eubanks was a psychopath. And, and a narcissist. And Absolutely. a narcissist. And my affirmative murder this week is actually a story of a psychopath. I actually found this story from watching TV as well. I mm. just got uh, Discovery Plus. Discovery, damn, Discovery man. I, Plus. I can't, I can't do no more, it, It's only like $6 a month as of now. There's a bajillion things on it. Like documentaries? Oh, it's the it's the home of true crime television. It has like every true crime. There's a documentary about Samuel Little on there. Oh, there's shit. A, there's there's oh Billy Jensen has a show on there. Long Island serial killer. He's killing it. It's weird Damn. for me to like for me to this guy 
Billy, right? Like we've never met him in person. We've only talked to him on Zoom and yeah. stuff like that. But it was I had this odd pride watching him do his thing on the television show. And I've seen him on television and other stuff before we had met him, you know, and everything like that. Yeah. But it was just like, it was like, oh yeah, like that's kind of like my buddy. Yeah, yeah. That was like, yeah, that man, guy. keep doing your thing. Billy, yeah, man, yeah. that's awesome, man. You're killing it. They're like trying to uncover this crazy serial killer story. Damn, but there's gotta, a ton of, gotta, there's a- what, Something got to go though. Yeah, man. I can't do no more. Yeah. I, I've, I've reached my threshold too. I don't know what I'm going to eliminate, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it can't be Amazon Prime. Anyway, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, there's a show on there and I don't know if this comes, I think it's, it's based on the ID channel. Okay. Like, so they have all the ID channel shows on there too. Yeah. And there's a show called Signs of a Psychopath, right? Mm. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of Michael Hernandez, a guy who is a cold-blooded psychopath. And this, 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 this show is so fascinating because what they do is- they cover a murder mm -hmm. and then every story has the interrogation room footage of when they were caught. Yeah. And then they have psychologists and forensic psychologists uh, analyzing the footage. And okay. then they tell you like, see right there, he said no, but he shook his head. Yes. Oh, you used to watch that on YouTube. I watch similar things on YouTube. So yeah. it's, it's that same kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, more, more in a more TV format as opposed okay. to like a YouTube video format. Mm, yeah, it's more. They did that out. for Chris Watts. They, they did, did that, that for Chris yeah. Watts. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. So, okay. but it's not just them analyzing step by step. Oh, okay. It's the detectives talking about the techniques that they used. It's mm. them breaking down and them and also them telling you about the murder that they committed. Oh, I gotta check that out. So yeah. it's like everything all in one. Yeah. It's really fascinating. So my affirmative murder this week is the story of Michael Hernandez. Right. So and this this kid a kid he's a kid. Absolute cold-blooded psychopath. It's crazy what this kid did. So I'll get into it, right? In the year 2004, Michael Hernandez was a young middle schooler with big plans for his 14th birthday. The young boy wrote out a methodical plan on how to kill two of his classmates and prop their, course, their corpses up on a toilet. That was his... That was his big birthday. That was his birthday bash. That's, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on another sheet of paper titled Hit List Damn. was a third name written in ragged, point, mm. in ragged print. Hernandez Christina Elizabeth, his sister. Mm. This plan was discovered by authorities in a journal belonging to Michael. Hernandez, who was in a program for gifted students at his school, had the details down to even the date. The planning list dated his birthday, February 2nd, included the names of two of his alleged targets, Jamie Goff and another boy named Andre, who wasn't harmed. It also listed the materials Hernandez would pack that day a hat a jacket a knife gloves and tape you know okay. the the bare essentials for murder below those details are hernandez's instructions to himself in a numbered outline on how he should kill the targets and what to do with their bodies hmm. hernandez reminded himself to put the corpses on the toilet and to pack everything he used back into his book bag and then he also said in in the in the book be quick and make sure to get any blood off so is he doing it so he won't? It's like a checklist, so he won't forget exactly it. like a grocery list. Yeah, which is insane. This is when you talk about premeditation. Yeah, you, yeah, a little square, <laughs> and then you check it off when yeah. you got to it. You talk about premeditation. I mean, this is insane. Like yeah. this is absolutely premeditated. Like beyond the description of premeditation. It's like, but what is it? I want to know. See, stuff like this is where I kind of like want to get deep as far as like the psychology of it. Like, what is he? What is he doing? Why he's? Why he's? Making this list, mm -hmm. like what's I mean, like what's going on around him while he's doing this? Like, is there like music playing? Is it you know what happened throughout the day? For oh, it I'm to come sure. To, it's I'm like sure little stuff is... like that. I, I always want to know what's go going on for you to lock into a spot like a place yeah. like that mentally, mm -hmm. 
and to come up with a check a checklist. Well, most most people most people with psychopathy like this, they don't feel anything. So they're just trying to do something that will make them feel. And then maybe you watch a documentary about a serial killer. So that's what happened with him. He was obsessed with becoming a serial killer. Mm. Something in him, he he was fascinated with serial killers and the methodical ones. He Even in the interrogation room, he's going through his description. Like, I really was into, and he has this really monotone voice. He's like, I just came became infatuated with serial killers, the ones that, like, you know, dissect their victims and cut them open. And stuff. So he really got infatuated with that. And, you know... It's also this kind of stigma that, you know, people, psychopaths have a higher intellect. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that he was in the gifted and talented program yeah. where these eccentricities of like, oh, he's like, he talks in a funny monotone way or he's very dialed in or whatever can just be seen as the signs of a genius. But yeah. they could also be the signs of a psychopath, yeah. somebody who is devoid of emotion and, and can't connect with people and is just trying to make you believe enough that he's normal. So I'm sure there was music playing and this was just something he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this on my birthday and that's just what I'm going to do. Yeah. Really looking forward to it. Everything's in order. Very Everything's in order. There's no emotion. He was not mad at Jamie Goff. He was not mad at Andre. There was no emotion in just it. Random. It just was something he decided to do. Just but, but as far as people that he picked, it was just random. He picked Jamie because he was his friend and he knew he'd go with him anywhere he said. That's the reason he picked Jamie. Out of his own mouth, he said that. He's like, I knew the friendship and he would just whatever I told him to do, he would do. And he saw that as like a, a bonus for him. Like, oh yeah, this guy trusts me, so I'll be able to definitely. He, that's an easy one. That's crazy, man. And uh, that that what I just said will come up again because I wrote that exact thing. So I'll, I'm going to repeat myself later on, but it came up organically just now. So the seventh instruction on his list was uh, with no punctuation reads: make sure they are dead. Make sure there is no one in the bathroom. If so, kill them. Where was this at? Schoolism at this. Well, this was at his house. The the, the oh, journal. This, was all, to go this is all in the journal, but it was all supposed to go down at the school. At the school. Okay. Yes. Yes. I mean. Okay. Got so, and again, he's just said. Basically, all he's saying is, these are the things I need to do to accomplish this and not get caught. Not get caught. Right. There's no. He's like, if there's a if there's a person there, you got to kill them. So there's no witnesses. It's all just there's no emotion in it. He's just like logically that makes sense. If if somebody sees you killing them, kill them so that there's no witnesses. Hernandez. Uh, was accused of carrying out, out his plan on February 3rd when he allegedly stabbed Jamie Goff. When detectives arrested her, Hernandez that day, he confessed to the police. He, com- he confessed uh, according to the police and according to the confession video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the confession video is where the story kicks up a notch. Uh, like I said, I saw this in Signs of a Psychopath. I saw it on Discovery Plus, but I don't know if it comes on ID. Um, like I was saying, his plan was to kill Andre and Jamie Goff on the same day, February 2nd. So keep in mm-hmm. mind that I said he, he he enacted this thing on February 3rd. Right. So what happened was he lured both of them into the bathroom, uh, to the school bathroom on the day of February 2nd, which was his birthday. His plan was to kill Andre first by luring him into the bathroom stall while Jamie patiently waited outside the stall. Mm. That was his plan. So basically, in, in, in not exactly these words, Michael Hernandez said, hey, Jamie, Andre, come with me to the bathroom. I got to show you all something. They went to the bathroom in between classes. They went to the bathroom and he said, Andre, you come into the stall first. And Andre was like, no, come into the stall for what? Yeah. So no, I got to show you something. It's a surprise. No, nah, man, uh, let Jamie go first. That's no. bull he did with a knife, though. Hmm? I said that's bull he did with a knife. Yeah, but there's no knife in his hand right now. He's just talking to his friends like. But I mean, like he tried to commit it. He did it with a knife. He did. Oh, knife, yeah. Though. Everything about this was absolutely insane. Yeah. So he's, you know, they're, you know, he's like, Andre's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Show Jamie first. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want you got going. Then you show me your balls. Yeah. They're kids, so they're like you know trying to joke around about yeah. it or whatever. But 
they're going back and forth. And so what happened and what makes what makes Michael such a psychopath is in his book, he wrote Kill Andre first. So he couldn't adjust in the moment oh, of like, gotcha. let Jamie go first. And then he just be like, all right, Jamie, you go first. He's yeah. like, no, no, no. You, you, I'm going to show you. It's the, supposed to go in this order. It's supposed to go in this yeah. order. I'm going to show you the secret first. Yeah. And then I'm going to show Jamie. And then when he got thrown through a loop and he couldn't adjust because his, his plan, it was, yeah. it was, was laid one out. bigger than another one. I'm stronger. Uh, maybe Andre was bigger, but okay. that's not to my knowledge why he, it was more so because that's how he planned it to go. No, but I mean like. If he planned to go that way, he ran it down. Why did he? Was it because this, that's a good that's a good question? I don't really I don't really know or remember why it was supposed to be Andre mm, first. Okay. But either way, the idea that he thought, yeah, and then Jamie just is gonna stand out there, yeah, and then I'll kill him, yeah. I'm gonna kill Andre. He's gonna Jamie's gonna hear all this happening, fighting, yelling, and shit. Yeah, and then he's gonna he's be like, hey, Jamie, now you come in here. Yeah. So already the plan was ridiculous, right? But anyway. So Andre's going back and forth. He's like, nah, man, I'm not doing that. Let Jamie go first. The bell rings. Mm. And Andre goes, yeah, man, shit, we got to get, that's the late bell. We got to get the class. Yeah. And my, so, and Jamie's like, yeah, man, we got to get the class. I don't want to get detention or whatever they said. Michael goes, okay, I'll let you guys go. Not like in a threatening way, but like, okay, we'll, we'll do this tomorrow. I'll show you guys my secret tomorrow. Only if you agree to cooperate tomorrow though and stop being so difficult. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, cool. Whatever. That's whatever, cool. Right. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. So they all leave and disperse, and, and his plan is thwarted, right? So the next day, Andre either knew what was happening or he just was sick because he avoided them that day. Yeah, he, smart man. He, he was either tardy or just didn't see them, which caused Michael to have to adjust his plan. Mm-hmm. So he just went and got Jamie and was like, I'll kill Andre at a separate location. So he had to just adjust his plan to just do Jamie. Uh, in a partial transcript of Hernandez's statements to the police, the teen talked about his knife collection and how he wanted to kill the second boy by strangling him with a belt. But the second boy is supposed to be Jamie. Yeah. But anyway, uh, then he wanted to stab him to make sure that he was dead. Hernandez said he planned to use a gravity knife with a retract. I don't even know what that is. With a retractable blade that his father had agreed to give to him. Jamie Goff was lured into the same bathroom as the day before, but entered the stall because he trusted Michael and would be and would do what he said. And like I said, that's exa- those were exact Michael's exact words in the interrogation yeah. room with no emotion. So it was like, just them two. It's just them two this time right. around. And the detectives are like, "So why Jamie? Were you mad at him?" He was like, "No, I just knew that he would come with me to the bathroom and do what I told him to do." Right. Just like that, no emotion, no. There's nothing. There is no animosity. It just was like he was an easy choice. He had Jamie close his eyes and turn around for the surprise. Hell. It was at this moment Michael slit his throat and stabbed Jamie a few times more mm. to make sure that he was dead, washed the knife off in the sink, and returned to his class. Once the body was discovered, a teacher noticed blood splatter on Michael's shirt and notified the police. Mm. Michael was tried as an adult and sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Jamie Goff. A few years later in 2011... Michael was back in court on appeal, proclaiming to have learned and grown since his young transgression and was hoping to have his sentence reduced. Michael was apparently unaware that the, fo- the prison phone calls are recorded as he seemed dumbfounded when the prosecution played a tape of him laughing with his then girlfriend about how he's going to have to pretend to cry when he's on the stand. Wow. And a whole bunch of other stuff. He's, you know, he's talking about serial killers and all kind of stuff. And it just 
But on the stand that day before they played the tape, he's like, I just, I'm sorry. I regret what I did. This is all, you can find this all on YouTube and on the show that I watched, um, Signs of a Psychopath. But they played it after it though? They played it after. He's like, I'm just, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't, I was a kid. Uh, He's like, they're crocodile tears, but he's like all emotional. And then they're like, okay. And then the, the prosecutor literally says something like, I guess you didn't know that the uh, the phone call, or you, I guess you thought we were too dumb to listen to your phone calls uh, from prison. Yeah. And then they they hit play on that. He called the judge dumb. He's like, the judge is a fucking oh, asshole. No, He's got it out for me. He's an idiot, though. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to like have a knife in my hand and stab myself in the leg while I'm up there so I can cry. <laughs> like, Because how else am I going to cry? And the lady's like, the girlfriend's like, yeah, like, you know, see, I'm a person. Like, there's they're like they're, they're like in this bit joking around about him being on the stand and trying to pretend to have emotion on the stand. And she was laughing too? Mm-hmm. Oh, hell no. With her prison boyfriend who's in prison for killing somebody. She's like, wow. yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to drum up some tears or something if you want to get out. So wow. they played that and then he goes, uh, she goes, so you think the judge is dumb? He goes, I, I, I don't think that. Um, yeah, you uh, big yeah, yeah, he didn't even apologize to the judge. Like there was just, you could just tell his psychopathy was such that he has no emotion towards anybody. This had, I feel like this had nothing to do with him just wanting to be a serial killer though. What? Like all the shit like if, if he just, cause he just want, he was, he wanted to be a serial killer though, right? Yes. But I feel like all this extra shit, it was like, it's, it's way more than that. Him just wanting to be a serial what killer. What extra shit though? Like him just, cause the shit that he's doing is just, it's just him mm-hmm. being uh, psychotic. Yes. Like him doing all this, being, taking jokes and shit and like, yeah. I feel like if, 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 to me, my what I think is, if somebody goes, I just want to be a serial killer, you kill somebody, and it was just like, I, you know, I was young. Him saying that, that would make sense. Yeah. But doing all this extra shit, like fake crying yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and doing this other stuff, that was like, that's no, nah, it's way past that you just wanted to be a serial killer. Yeah. You know. Actually, something's actually wrong with you. Well, I mean, something has to be wrong with you in the first place to be like, I want to be a serial killer. Yeah, in, in, anyway. True. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody of sound mind is like, you know what? I think I just want to. I'm going to quit my job of being yeah, yeah. a nurse and <laughs> yeah. I think I'm just going to be a serial yeah. killer. Like you're already fucked up and crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, but yes, no fully. He, he's absolutely, uh, deranged and out of his mind and a psychopath and he's detached from reality. And then the prosecutor capped it off by being like, so do you have a knife in your hand or a pencil or something? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, cause to, to make yourself cry. Cause I don't really even really see any tears anyway. Like she really was like, you're a bullshitter yeah, yeah. and a psychopath and you don't have any emotions. So the Miami-Dade Circuit Judge John uh, Schleisinger agreed to send him back to prison for life. Schleisinger said he was disturbed by the jail calls played during the hearing. Uh, He went on to say, I did not anticipate rainbows and unicorns and puppies, but what I received was truly grotesque. This is what Schleisinger said of the phone calls, adding that it paints a picture of a person fascinated by killers, Mm -hmm. by violent movies, violent music lyrics, violent books, and violent current events. So obviously his his appeal was denied and he was sent back to prison to serve the rest of his life sentence. Uh, Another part that I I forgot to mention is that during his interrogation, right? So when you talk about wanting to be a serial killer, all these things, Mm -hmm. Michael was very monotone at 14 years old during his interrogation with the police and and within this video is where he made the confession. Mm -hmm. But when they asked him about how he killed Jamie, he started getting animated, his hands his hands started going around. One of the other detectives had to go, calm, calm down. Because mm-hmm. he he has no idea what it's like to feel emotion. And murdering somebody gave him such an adrenaline rush mm-hmm. that it was like the first time he'd ever felt something. So even just reminiscing doing it got him so animated and hyped up because he'd never felt those things before in his life. Mm-hmm. 
So that was that's another sign of a psychopath where it's like just talking about it got him all juiced up. And he's like, then I stabbed him in his jugular vein and there was blood. And, and they're like, relax. So, yeah. So this guy's a true psychopath. Yeah. Rest in peace. What was the guy's name that was killed? Jamie Goff. Rest in peace, Jamie Goff. Uh, you know, it's kind of. It's kind of sucked to say, you know, um, even though this dude was killed, that was kind of his only his only victim, you know. Yes. So because he could have. And it could have been Andre. Like, if I'm Andre, I go... Did he ever come back up? Did he ever say why? I, it's okay. Briefly. Okay. Uh, I, and I don't have, like, a reason of, of, like, why he didn't go back or anything like that. Yeah. But he does come back up briefly in a really kind of interesting way. Um, so, like I said, his appeal was denied. He was sent back to prison in 2011 or 14 to serve the rest of his sentence. In May of this year, Michael Hernandez died of an overdose in prison. Damn. Andre, who is today a Miami-Dade a Miami police detective... Learned of the death uh, on a Saturday in May when an automated when an automated prison notification system notified him uh, by voice message to inform him that Hernandez's custody status had changed. But yeah. it's interesting that he became a detective after narrowly escaping being murdered. I mean, yeah. if he would have been as close of friends with Jamie or even just like didn't have his skepticism uh, alert on. And went like, okay, what do you got in there? Let's see. And went in that bathroom stall, it would have turned out differently. He yeah. would have been the guy that was murdered. Yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be first. Yeah. He was supposed to be first. So uh, like, rest in peace to Jamie Goff, who would have been 32 years old today. Unfortunately, he ran into a cold-blooded psychopath who wanted to kill him for the simple thrill of killing. And, so, and saw Jamie's trust and friendship as an advantage in accomplishing that I goal. I to say that. That's wild. Yeah, it's like that's – he was like, yeah, this guy trusts me. And, is my, and he's – I'm his fr- – not not – He's my friend. I'm his friend. Yeah. I'm his friend. He trusts me. And so if I tell him to go into the bathroom stall and turn around and cover your eyes, yeah. he'll do that. Yeah. Don't ever ask me to walk into a bathroom stall with you, number one. Number two, don't ever say, hey, man, close your eyes. Well, why do I have to be punished because of the story? I mean, like, if I, what if I really have to show you something really cool and Absolutely. we're, like, at an airport no. bathroom? No, nah, dog. And the flight's about to take off. I only got a minute no. to show you something cool. No. Nah. You stand, you stand in front of the door so nobody can't get in. I don't want other people jump. to see. There's no doors at an airport bathroom. Man. It's just like a big open oh, yeah, walkway. Right. Yeah, we got to go privacy. Nah. Then we just take a picture and show me on your phone. <laughs> you have no reason to go Doesn't have the same effect as in-person surprises, man. All right, fine. That sucks. That's fine. I won't take you into a bathroom stall. <laughs> whatever, man. But yeah, no, that was the story of Michael Hernandez and the murder of Jamie Goff. I just found it so interesting. And again, Damn. Signs of a Psychopath is... I've watched like eight of the episodes in a Going row. I mean, oh, man. It's like... I'm so fascinated by the psychopathy and like the breaking down of their body language. And then not only you can already just see their body language and see that something's off with the person, yeah. but to have a specialist come in and go, yeah, you see that you're that's, there's a reason why you're watching, why when you're watching this, you go, I think that guy is guilty. Yeah. And this is why. Yeah. I mean, you already know he's guilty because it's a show about the murder that they committed, but you just can tell in there and like the detective in the room can tell that's that's the part i find interesting that in that like if you don't know what happened and you just watch the interrogation footage and you go they seem kind of like overly happy yeah like there was there's different levels of it not everybody's the same level of monotone some people are like overcompensating by being like yeah man so (laughs) jokey jokey and stuff like that it's so many different ways of the psychopathy presents itself it's just fascinating and in this one jamie i mean uh, michael hernandez was cold-blooded calculated analytical had no emotions about it no remorse Mm -hmm. nothing and 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 then when confronted and really when he realized he wasn't gonna his his plan didn't work and he wasn't gonna be able to trick anybody into thinking he didn't do it he fully told every detail of it Mm -hmm. he just 
confessed because he's like, well, I reached the, and that's, that's like every one of the episodes for the most part. Like they get to a point where they go, well, this didn't work. So, uh, I'll just tell you what happened. Hmm. Like for the, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, is fascinating. Like, and then what, like once they start confessing, that's the truth coming out of them. Yeah. Cause they have, their plan didn't work. So they know that the lying won't help them any further, at least in this case with, with Michael Hernandez. But then five, six years later, he tried to not say he didn't do it, but go, I'm changed now. And now let me, now I've learned from being in prison, talking to other prisoners, you need to show remorse. Yeah. So I'm going to go try to show that even though I don't have it. Yeah. I don't have emotions and remorse and regret, but I'll know how to try to put on a, a performance and the performance wasn't believable. Yeah. And they had and phone footage, <laughs> phone records of you calling everybody stupid and saying you're going to pretend to cry, which was perfect timing to for him to be crying and fake crying and saying yeah. all that and then play that. Checkmate. Idiot. Yeah, it was beautiful. Uh, but <laughs> what we're going to do, and again, rest in peace to Jamie Goff. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to get into these good vibes. That's right, folks. It's time for some good vibes to enter your system and uh, brighten things up on this, depending on where you are, beautiful summertime day. In other parts of the world, things are looking a little rough and hot and climate changey, but you know, that you guys need these good vibes even more. Friend, I'm going to kick things off with my story about three inmates and who are being called heroes behind bars. Okay. So inmates Terry Loveless, which love that name, mm. uh, Walter Whitehead, gross, yeah. and Mitchell Smalls, that's an adequate name, are being hailed as heroes after the Gwinnett County Sheriff's Office in Georgia spotlighted their quick thinking behind bars. They released a statement saying, we are deeply appreciative of these three inmates for their courage, determination, and kindness they displayed when they came to the rescue of one of our deputies who recently suffered a medical emergency while supervising a jail housing unit. Mm. Um, the inmates noticed our deputy appeared to be feeling poorly as he conducted his security procedures in the housing unit. Although they were locked in their cells, they kept an eye on him as he returned to his seat as the, uh, at the deputy's desk where they where he lost consciousness and fell onto the concrete floor mm. splitting his head open oh my goodness the post continued the inmates whose rooms were close enough to see what was happening began pounding on the doors and soon the entire unit was thundering with noise as many inmates pounded on the doors shouting for the deputies to for the deputy who lay unconscious and heavily bleeding on the floor uh, our deputy later stated that while he did not realize he'd been unconscious he became aware of what, what sounded like a pounding of drums and could hear inmates shouting his name over and over. He immediately thought an inmate needed help and somehow managed to rise up to his feet and press the control panel to open the cell doors. Mm. Which, I don't know if that means all of the doors. That sounds crazy. Like, that could have gone wrong. Yeah. Like, you know, because it's like he didn't even know he was the one that needed help. He thought somebody else needed help, so he did that. Mm. And he's in this vulnerable position to where, yeah. like, if they weren't, if they didn't have good intentions, you would have really had some problems, right? Everybody been out running around. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, uh, the three inmates rushed out of their rooms to render aid. They also sought help with the use of the deputy's desk phone and his radio. Their efforts were successful and help arrived almost immediately. The deputy survived the harrowing incident and is recovering at home. Mm. Uh, the end of the statement read, 
While there are many stereotypes about both law enforcement officers and incarcerated people, this story beautifully illustrates that everyone is capable of greatness. Gwinnett County Sheriff's Office Public Information Office Deputy Shannon Shannon Volkadov shared with E News. That's that's that was this whole statement came from her. Uh, Deputy Hobbs earned the respect of these inmates, and they were determined to reach him when he needed help. It's a great reminder that heroes can vary. Can, that heroes can wear very different uniforms. So shout out to those three inmates who kicked off this rescue mission. Yeah. Uh, Terry Loveless, Walter Whitehead, and Mitchell Smalls. I feel like mm. they deserve, deserve a trip to the mall to maybe yeah. go buy some things or something. Depending, on what, they're, depending on what they're in for. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's, let's get their rap sheet first. <laughs> and if it's horrible atrocities, maybe not give them the outside of prison and, and, and FUBU sweatsuits um, uh, treatment. But maybe like some extra food. Maybe like a you know some desserts or something yeah. or like a dinner party something. Maybe like this that. is all planned mm, to make them look good. Yep. Mm, I mean that's a good way to get some uh, gold stars or whatever they give you for yeah. good good t- good behavior. That's definitely about doesn't get much better behavior than this. Yeah. But I'm sure they didn't have ulterior mo- ulterior motives. I'm sure they just were doing the right thing. Sure. So shout out to them. Okay. Friend, it's on you. Uh, my good vibe this week is about sorry Kodak Black. Okay. Kodak Black is not feeling the heat these days. So he want he wants to return the favor to some folks at the Florida Housing Project in the form of air conditioners. Kodak bought 100 AC units for around $12,000 mm. and schlepped them to Golden Acres Projects in Pompano Beach. He went door to door with the units presenting residents with cool, with uh with the cool gift. Mm. Florida, oh, I like that. Yeah, Florida in July is no picnic. I bet it's super humid and hot. Right now, it's in the highs. It's in the high eighties and seventy nine percent humidity. Mm. But those numbers will rise in the in the um as the summer wears on. So he out there fucking his hair looking all fucking crazy, yes. blonde, mm. whatever the fucking dreads are called. He got like no shirt on, underwear all hanging out, pants not all in low. shape, <laughs> not in not shape in at shape all, at not in shape at all. So Kodak brought. Some of the residents to tears. They were incredibly grateful, especially because it's not a, it's not the kind of, the, not not the kind of thing that they would expect from someone who wants to do a good deed. But for anyone who lives in Florida in the summer, it's a it's um it's a godsend. Absolutely, it's very popular in Florida these days. It's very popular in Florida these days. June eleventh is now forever Kodak Black Day in Broward County. Oh, Kodak got it. Kodak got um, an assist with ACs from uh, Frankie Pierre, who runs the charity uh, Philanthropic Work and Outreach. As you know, Kodak scored a a commutation mm-hmm. commutation from the from then President Trump at the urging of his lawyer Bradford Cohen, in large part because of his charity work. Kodak served half of his forty six months in prison for two counts of making a false statement um, on application for a firearm. Now. This was a great story. Uh, I shout out to him what he's doing. I don't understand what that part had to do with anything. But they gotta let you know that they, they can't just let him be a good guy. They had to let him know, let people Why? know like he's a prison. That's he ruining to, the story. He went to prison and all that stuff. So well, yeah. start the story of Kodak Black. You know he from the whatever shit he had, but these days he's giving out AC units yeah. to people in his neighborhood. They're like he did a great thing, but good. don't forget that he's a next. Yeah, convict. like that's like what the f- yeah. Well, you know, it's ruining the fucking story, you gotta man. Put people in their place. But um, yeah, but, uh, uh, he is doing a good deed, though. Yeah, yes, he yes. He is. Kodak Black is an, unu- an unusual guy, and I'm not, I'm not going to bring up things that I know about Kodak Black that I think are weird and like off. what? Um, well, he said some things about Lauren London after Nipsey Hussle passed oh, away, yeah, 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 and uh, he just is a weird guy. 
there's a video that went viral him recently. He flushed some money down the toilet. So it's oh, yeah. like it's he's just savage. yeah, it's just weird that. But he, but it's like hey, it's his money. He can do what he want with it, and he's doing good things with it as well. Yeah. So that's cool. If yeah. He don't throw away his money. Let him throw away his money. Got plenty of it, I guess. Yeah, but like. Why flush hundred dollar bills in the toilet? You can just go give those to somebody that needs. Maybe them. he did it though. Maybe it's just for the grand. I don't know. The video looked pretty convincing, and he put his hand all up in the toilet, which was was just disgusting. But I would not fuck around with Kodak Black. He's an odd guy, and he <laughs> does play around with firearms. Um, but that's a great story, man. Yeah. Hot Florida uh, people need air conditioning units, and that's not everybody just thinks like I'm going to go give sandwiches to people. That's a thing that you can use for years to come, yeah. like saving up and money because and yeah, and an air conditioning unit costs like a hundred hundred dollars minimum. Everybody yeah. can't just scrounge up a hundred dollars, so that puts you in a position to really make a difference in your house, yeah, in a way that you might not have been able to for who knows how long. Just if you get no basement, dude. My goodness. Yeah, just on the first floor, mm. hot as fuck. Or on the second floor. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. But, um, yeah, no, shout out to Kodak Black. And also, prayers to Florida again. Uh, as of right now, they've called off the search at that at that building that collapsed halfway because there's a hurricane. Oh, they called it off? Yeah, it was up to, like, 19, right? Up like to 19, 20. 20, confirmed. Yeah, I mean, the number's going to keep rising, unfortunately. But they've called off the search that they're doing. Because there's a hurricane that's like imminent, which Damn. is pretty regular for Florida, but they didn't want people out there searching while a hurricane was happening. Yeah, yeah. So, because that whole building is gone now, like they supposed yeah, to they're gonna demol- they're yeah. gonna demolish the whole. Thing. I've been I've been reading up, I've been keeping up with it as far as the, um, you know what they don't have, they don't have the cause, but they I've been reading up on what could possibly one of them well the cause is malfeasance and, and neglect i mean that really <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the best thing to put it yeah. but it's also but they're not oh. but that's not something they put in their thing on right now it's not they're yeah. not saying that's yeah. it's that yeah independently but yeah i don't think there's going to be one signature cause yeah but what happened at that building was an absolute tragedy yeah and prayers to everybody involved i don't at this point it's been a week of hot days like there's i don't have much hope for them finding somebody alive in that rubble yeah you know, which is tragic, but it's um, been a lot of sad stories going on with that whole thing. Yeah, man, it's absolutely yeah. But they found a couple that was like eighty years old. And, still, yeah, yeah, that's crazy, it's absolutely tragic, man. But anyway, let's not go down that pathway. We just finished good vibes. I don't want to oh, do yeah. that. Um, again, before we get out of here, thank you to everybody who bought a shirt from our Patreon exclusive merchandise drop. You are much appreciated. Thank you so much. The shirts will be getting made up. I'll keep you guys posted on when we're gonna ship those out. Um, we are going to Vegas again. We're going to Vegas next year for CrimeCon. If you're looking to buy tickets, ha- uh, promo code affirmative at checkout. That's A-F-F-I-R-M-A-T-I-V-E. You'll get 10% off your ticket and you'll help us out. You'll support the show as well at the same time. So if you're thinking of going and you want to go and you plan on, you know, chopping it up with us, getting a photo, whatever, um, why not use the promo code? Save yourself 10% off. Uh, anything else, Frank, you want to get into before we get uh-huh. on? Okay, well, happy 4th of July to everybody out there. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.